0: what's up and welcome to the kickers are people 2 podcast today's episode we're real fortunate to have chargers punter Ty long with us today Ty long is the ultimate competitor i was really fortunate with how well this conversation went we talked about technique we talked about the mental side we talked about the spiritual side we've talked about sports performance we talk nitty-gritty we talk cleats i think you're really going to enjoy this and above all else Ty ends this with a killer quote that you don't want to miss. Enjoy. Sounds good. All right. So what is your super secret origin story, Ty Long? How did you end up on the Chargers?
1: Oh, um, my journey is a crazy one. You know, um, being from Roswell, Georgia, um, played, you know, high school ball, so on, there's like the rest of us and then went to UAB uh kicked field goals there and kicked off all four years um and had a good career and thought everything was just going to be you know perfect and going to the NFL and everything was just going to work smoothly and went to the Washington Redskins and um you know felt like I'm my best foot forward and did everything I needed to do to win a job but got cut and got cut as kicker and you know it was tough um you know, the first time you get cut, it's always tough. Well, every time you get cut, it's tough. But um, got cut from Washington, and then from there, uh, spent that season training, so on. By December, I think signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, reported there in April. That's when we were – or, yeah, reported there in April. Was cut by mid-May, you know, before I even kicked – I got cut before I even kicked the ball. Um then from then on was going to CFL workouts trying to get into a workout there and couldn't get anyone to sign me because they didn't think I could punt. And um would go to these workouts and had a good showing, had a good showing with Edmonton, didn't show much interest. Um my buddy Richie, who was with the BC Lions, um we we turned together, been, been lifelong friends since we were young. We went to high school together. Richie played for the BC Lions at the time, was leaving because he was signing with Arizona, called BC and told them, hey, check him out. He's legit. And um, they signed me as a camp leg in BC. Um, so they had a guy named Swayze Waters. He's a great friend of mine, great specialist, had a very successful year in and uh, career in Canada. And um, I was his camp leg. And he ended up um, – tweaking his quad midway through camp and the head coach slash GM at the time, Wally Bueno came up to me and said, you got three days to win this job. And, um, you know, I felt like that was a defining moment in my career as in that's how this business goes is some days you'll get a practice. Some days you'll get a game. Some days you'll get a few practices and you got to show your worth. And, um, and that's what I did and ended up winning the job in BC and, um, and yeah, it's, um, from then on, had two good years in Canada. Came back down to the NFL, um, and every team I had a bunch of workouts set up. But every most ninety nine percent of the teams wanted me as a kicker, which was what I always was. But the right. Chargers wanted me, and um, and Tom Telesco. We sat down, and he's like, "We want you as a punter, kickoff guy." And um, he didn't know if I'd be interested in that. And that's sort of something what I that's what I wanted and they were the only team to offer me as a punter and a kickoff guy, and um, yeah, and I, you know, love it there, and so I had a good year, and um, but then, you know, had a uh, stress fracture, my fifth metatarsal hurt that week week two when I was doing all three, and um, you know, it's just sort of how it goes sometimes, and had to play the rest of the season with that injury, and it was tough, and uh, you know, I'm pretty much healed from it now, and Feeling good, and um, but yeah, it was, it was a good year. But every year has its uh, has its, its trials. You know, you got to fight through.
0: So you played basically all season with a broken foot.
1: Yeah. So uh, in my plant foot. So. Um, wow. Heard it. We didn't know it was broken until after the Miami game. Played. So I played the Detroit game. That's when it happened. Something a little weird, landed on it weird and then played the Texans game. It was bothering me a little bit and that's when it happened, happened. And um you know, but I just thought it was just, you know, just me being I don't know, just I just thought it was nothing. <laughs> and um so kept playing, finished that game. Then we played the Miami game and some yeah, it just hurt it, you know, it just not knowing, you know, and mm-hmm. um yeah, is it it's tough, and uh, it was just yeah. The Chargers did whatever they could. We just we didn't know what it was because when we got the X ray and everything, it was fine. But it was you know when later when we did the MRI and everything, you could see the stress fracture in the bone, and that's when they were like, all right, we're just going to move you to punting for a little bit. So mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was a tough tough gig, but it's you know it how it goes in this business,
0: right? And it seems like you've had these series of make it or break it moments of pressure that have kind of defined you moving from step to step as you kind of climb from UAB to the CFL and these workouts to the chargers. How do you define pressure? And then how do you deal with it from like a mental perspective? Cause pressure, you're in a position it. where it's like, you'll train for, you know, months, years even, and it might all come down to how you hit, you know, two or three yeah, reps. Yeah.
1: You're exactly right. Um, I was actually, talking to um another kid the other day about this pressure it's like it's something you you fall in love with um it's it's this crazy like high you get Mm -hmm. you know when everything's on the line when everyone else is you know like what if when it was kicking field goals when it whatever it is it's like that that pressure is just what I don't know it's sort of what wakes you up you know It's if, if right. at this point in our, in your career if you don't love the pressure you're in the wrong business and um yeah I don't know it's just it's just something for me that it's like when when it gets tough when it gets tight that's when I feel like I'm at my best you know mm-hmm. and um whatever we do you know with if me and my buddies are playing golf if we're shoot playing basketball at the gym whatever it is and if anyone knows me, they know I'm going to somehow make it competitive and I'm going to try to win every single time.
0: Right. And so you I know. guess, how do you, obviously you played most of the year, you know, not at full power. And I think nobody really plays football at a hundred percent except on day exactly. one of preseason. Yeah, but exactly. I think as a kicker, you know, that that's the equivalent of a quarterback with like a fractured forearm, mm-hmm. but you know, how did you – I guess you would have days where you didn't have your best stuff. You didn't have your A-ball. And, you know, John Carney is, likes to say you have your A-ball days and your B-ball days. Um, how do you define success? Yeah. Um, I think success depends
1: on what, day, what, what the day brings to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there was – like we played at Chicago this year. It was an early game really cold, windy. It was like, it, when I, I think it was low 30s. You know, it was the first really cold game of the year, really windy. And I told myself, all right, if you come out of here averaging 48 and you hold Tyreek Hill to 40, it's a, it's a good day. I mean, uh, not Tyreek Hill, Tyreek uh, Cohen. And mm-hmm. um, you hold him to, to that, it's a good day. And right. I, I think we averaged that day 53 and we held him to 43 and um because he, he had one long return he the dude caught on the one yard line and brought it out um but that dude's, <laughs> that dude's a freak and That's um, yeah and uh but it's I think it, it all differs from the day from what you have the task you have at hand you know because there's going to be some days where averaging 45 is is a big number and then mm-hmm. there's going to be some days where averaging 55 is very doable so um And then it depends on what you have. So um, I think the one thing is I've gotten older and more years under my belt through the CFL and the NFL, like figuring out what's a win and what's not, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, there's going to be certain, like an example is like when we played Chicago, I had a punt um, that was in between that range of, it would be a long Aussie or a regular punt. And it was one of those where I wanted to hit like an eighty percent swing. If I catch a miss hit, that's fine because the miss hit's still going to go forty five yards. Mm. And I end up catching a miss hit that went up, stayed down the alley, four 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 five, and we were able to cover it and get out of there with like a forty three yard net. That's that's see, I count that as a win. You know, not every great ball is a turnover fifty five five five. You know, like right. some of the balls are putting them in the right right spot right spot at the right time. And, um, you know, that's something I've learned over uh, years of my career.
0: Gotcha. Now what, you know, and I talked to, um, my buddy, Zach Trinner about this, he snaps for the Bucks, and, and we always, he would always say, you know, the full athlete is somebody who has a training philosophy and trains, you know, not only physically, but like mentally and, and spiritually mm-hmm. as well. How do you address those components of your training spiritually or mentally or, or re- what role does that play? In your physical performance,
1: yeah, I think my mental ability is what is one of my strongest components.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I think um, that it's it it weighs into a lot of your success. I mean, you can watch some of the greatest athletes of all time, and the way they carry themselves on the field, on the court, you know, they know how good they are. Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's one thing is like um knowing what you have to be to do your job the focus you got to put in to do your job on a weekly basis you know and um like for me doing my visualization the certain routine I do um every night before a game um during the week you know getting yourself ready and yeah getting the mental preparation for me is huge um but my biggest thing is the the self-belief you know if you have the self-belief that you can do this that's I mean I'll be honest with you that's 90% of the battle right there is going out there week in week out with self-belief
0: do you feel like a lot of guys on that NFL free agent bubble and I mean you were there too do you feel or did you personally struggle at least at first with feeling like you deserved to be out there with all those other guys
1: yeah. 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 You know I mean? I think it, at first when I was in this league, I was like, you know, like, Oh, you know, I'm on, I'm on the field with these guys, you know? And then it, I think part of it, something switched when it's like, you know what? Not only do I deserve, I can hang like I'm, you know, and so it's just something clicks, you know, When once you've been in it for a little bit, like for me, once I went into my second year in Canada, I was like, I know what I can do. And that's, mm-hmm you know, that's not arrogance. That's that. that's, those are numbers. Numbers don't lie, you know, and I know what I can do on a weekly basis. And that's when I just realized like, Hey, yeah, you can do this, you know, and there's a lot of guys um, who a lot of free agents who are really good too. There's a lot of good free agent kickers out there that can play. They just need an right. opportunity. And um, the key for them is just to know when they got that up, when they get that opportunity, it's like, I belong. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that's that's half the battle is knowing you should be there
0: yeah and I think that that's I think that's true I think that's something that's a little that's true for kicking and punting and snapping at you know college and high school as well it's almost like the the position has this like grind grind yourself into dust mentality and you know like it's almost like people don't you know kids forget to like have fun and that you're supposed to actually do good at it when you put the work in and I think mm-hmm. a lot of kids kind of struggle with maybe walking that fine line between, you know, confident versus like cocky. And Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, for for you, how do you? You're you're. I would not say you're like a cocky person, but you're confident because you have to be. Yeah. How do you? How do you walk? I guess how do you define cocky versus mm-hmm. defining confident, and how do you walk that fine line?
1: My this is what me and uh, me and my wife talk about. I'm not, like I always joke around and tell her I say you wouldn't want to marry the dude who plays on Sundays, you know, like it's in, and and it's like, some people say like, Oh, you're just a punter, this and that at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to get your job. Right. And I know the person I need to be to do my job. So it's Mm -hmm. like, right. Like there, it's sort of like something switches, like, you know, when I'm warming up, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm focused, obviously going at it. And then, but it's, it's like when I'm, when I put the pads on, put the helmet on and then I walk out and I'm in the tunnel it's just like something clicks mm-hmm. and it's like all right you know it's now it's time to go you know get your mind right for what you got to do and um yeah it's just like for me it's like right when i cross those white lines it's just like all right you got to be who you got to be you know and like i'm a firm believer in like i got full conversation i have full conversations with myself during games you know and i'm right. i'm talking to myself the whole game and um, I always thought it'd be funny if I was mic'd up, but I would love to hear it after because sometimes I don't, you know, I just sort of black out, you know, right. and it's just cause I'm so focused on what I'm trying to do at the time. But, um, my biggest thing is like, once I cross the lines, it's strictly business, it's nothing personal, strictly business, you know? And I, and I, I tell some of these guys like that we all train together and we, we all like you gotta think about it. You got myself, AJ Cole. Corey Vedvik, Richie Leone, Ryan Santoso, Stefan Flintoff, Tyler Newsome, Jack Fox. Um, let's see if I'm missing anyone. My little brother's here. All of us are training on the daily mm-hmm. together. Right. So like we, we, all of us, we had a competition the other day, like teams, you know what I mean? And so like it's, and we all are the same way. Like once that competition goes on, it's straight business, you know? Gotcha. And, um, and that, that's the that's just the common goal because at the end of the day, we all want to win. So you got to get focused. And just once you cross those lines, it's on.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that's – you know, and typically in high school, there's only, like, one kicker on the team. It's like nobody wants to do it. it you know, it's either, like – they either, like, get the wide receiver who's really athletic and doesn't care. Or there's, like, a kid who's, like, Rudy who loves it, but he's not that talented. And when there's, like, two kickers on a high school team, like – the original kicker is just in shock because now he has to like compete, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I guess how do you, when you're in that professional setting, how do you balance being a good teammate while at the same time competing for maybe the same job with somebody if you've been in camp with them?
1: Yeah. I mean, even, even in those situations, you're really not in competition with that person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's punting a lot like golf. There's no defense you know, like at the end of the day, I'm hitting my ball, you're hitting your ball and, and so on and so forth, you know? And like, um, like I'll never forget when I was in Pittsburgh, I, I was talking to Boz and me and him have been buddies since college. Cause we, we uh, played each other multiple times. And I specifically remember him. He was like, Hey, we can either be friends and help each other throughout this process, or we can just not talk to each other. It's whatever you want to do. And I was right. like, no, man, we're, we're cool. You know what I mean? Like right. at the end of the day, like, someone was going to be somewhere, you know, and, um, obviously he was there and I wasn't, but, um, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and, um, but yeah, it's just sort of how the business goes, you know, and, um, but it's, it's, that's the one thing is like, there's no, um, there's no defense. Like even like when, when Tyler Newsom was there this year, I mean, if Tyler came to me and asked me for help, I'd help him, you know, and tried to help him with this and that. I mean, me and Tyler are good buddies. And, um, and I right. feel like that's a, most guys around the league are like that most are
0: right and it's yeah you know you never see like a a true pro be unkind to any of those you know guys in the bubble
1: yeah because at the end of the day everyone's been there right you know most most every specialist at some point has been there you know and um and and I say you're there until you're on that third second contract you know and you've got you've got uh your guarantees, you know, and this and that. Cause we're at the end of the day, we're all just trying to survive in this league. Sure.
0: Now you're, you mentioned you're a big fan of visualizing self-talk. Could you talk us through how you view the mental side? You know, cause I feel like there is it's, I think it's changed a lot, especially like past 10, 15 years, but there's still a, an aversion to talking about the mental side of kicking. But, you know, like if you look at a sport like golf, you know, that's like 80 percent of the coaching going on is a lot of like sports psychology. But in kicking and football and other sports, it's not quite as popular yet. How did you how did you get into that? Was it is there a particular story that got you into looking at sports psychology? And then what is that visualizing self-talk like for you?
1: Yeah, um, so I can't give away my secrets on that, you know, but I can (laughs) tell, you know, because I have, I think what I do helps me have a right. edge up sometimes. But I had, um, when I was in um, BC, Wally Bueno um, introduced me to somebody and um, I don't know if he wants me to say his name. We've talked about it, so I, I won't say his name. But sure. he, um, he's worked with a bunch of NFL and NHL teams and that's someone I talked to. And he's a you know, confidant. We've talked about everything. And, um, you know, he just, he would show me little tricks on how to calm and rest you know, because a lot of times we get anxious for no mm-hmm. reason, like night before. There's no reason to be. I mean, when I say there's no reason, obviously there's reason to be anxious. But at that time, when you really think about it, there's no reason to be nervous because mm-hmm. nothing's happening, you know, and nerves only come from when you're thinking about the future, you know, and um so he, he would help me with little techniques on how to, you know, maybe focus and rest your heart, re- or heart um, rate so you can calm down and try to see what you're trying to see. You mm-hmm. know, and um, I think someone who's very good at to watch for people is uh, Jason Day, um, mm-hmm. the golfer. If you, if you were to watch him when um, every shot, he'll stand there and he closes his eyes and he stands behind the ball and then he'll stand there for probably 10 seconds and opens his eyes and then walks up to the ball and approach and he'll hit a shot. You know because he is seeing his shot that he wants to do, you know and um right, and for for me, you know the work I do is something along those lines, but it's um it's a technique that I figured out that uh I keep close to myself and don't don't tell too many people because i I think it's helped me out a lot
0: right, yeah, and I think that that's you know it's almost like how do you get out of your own way because in soccer basketball, it's a continuous motion sport so the game moves faster than you can think about it, and then when a lot of guys flip from soccer to football, suddenly they're they have a lot of time to think about what they're about to do, and it's almost like, you know, they they kind of self sabotage almost because they they're, now they're now they're trying to think about what they're what used to be an unconscious task.
1: Yeah, and um, that that's yeah with those basketball and soccer, like I've always wondered like. How much different it is for them. Like, mm-hmm. I know they feel like, but it's like some of these. We were watching the old um, when the Cavs beat the Warriors. Like, like, those last minutes was LeBron was were guys in the court. Were they nervous or did is it so fast paced they don't have time to even think about it? Right. You know, I want I wonder that and like I think the most one of the the two most nerve wracking positions is being a field goal kicker and being a golfer because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're just sitting there waiting you know, and you see it unfolding about to happen, you know, like that game winning kick, or when you're the golfer, you see you're tied or you're down one going into the 17th, 18th hole. Like the hard part is to stay in the moment of not worrying about what's going to happen and just focus on the task at hand, you know?
0: Right. And I think that's, it's a bit of a paradox too, because you almost need to, you almost need to detach yourself from something Mm -hmm. you've dedicated 10, 15 years of your life to. So I guess, how do you, like, do you, like, how do you detach from, I guess, how do you walk that fine line between wanting to crush every ball and rep in front of you on, you know, game day or practice, while at the same time knowing it's not going to ruin your day if you shank one?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, first off, you know, you try to keep those negative thoughts out right you know that's that's one thing is like i think a lot of times you know you'll see some high school guys some and we all probably did it at one point i'm sure i did it when i was a high schooler but we'll sit here and think like don't don't mess up don't do this and that you know when you right. learn through reps and i feel like a lot of times people will um have those thoughts when they might not be prepared Mm-hmm. You know, when they haven't put the work in, that's when sometimes, like, we'll feel that way. Because I know when I was young, if I, I would feel that way because I probably wasn't working hard enough. But, um, yeah, I just I think if, if you put that work in, you put it in all that time, it's hard, and especially when you've seen it over and over and over and over again. Um, you can't let one bad ball overtake 100 good balls. Right, you know what I mean, and um, like I, I coach uh, my little brother and uh, younger kids in Birmingham sometimes, and I always tell them like there'll be a kid, and um, I'll be training him, and he'll hit fifteen great field goals, you know, no, no reaction, he's all good, and then he misses one, he gets all he gets pissed off, and I'm like, wait, okay, I said Look, I got a rule, if you're gonna get mad about missing it, then you better be screaming for joy when you make it. Well, that doesn't right. make sense. I said, then what does it make sense to get upset every time you miss a kick? Right. You, I, I said, I, when I would tell all the kids, I said, raise your hand if you've, if you've missed a kick before. Every single person on the field will raise their hand because we all have. Right. But why do we – why let that one mess up 20 or 30 kicks? You know what I mean? Yep. So um, that's something I try to focus on is try to be even killed is um, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems, you know? So right. that means is, Hey, like I had a, I missed two, when I was doing all three in Detroit, I missed two kicks in that game. And Oh my gosh, I felt like I was at the below the earth, you know? I mean, I was getting drilled on Twitter. Uh, reporters were, everyone was coming at me. You know what I mean? The game was my fault. And I'll never forget like how low I was and my whole mindset was like, Hey, when next week comes here, I will be so prepared that it won't even be close, you know? And then you take that and you move with that. That's, right. um, that's sort of how I try to go about it.
0: Do you, yeah. I've seen that too, with like, you know, like, like kind of go back to that kid that you mentioned who had like 15 really good kicks and then misses one. It's almost like, I call it last ball syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they hit, they got a set of 10, they hit nine great, the last one was okay. And then it just like ruined the previous nine, you know, like it's really hard for a lot of kids to walk away from it. And do you, do you feel that, uh, or I guess, how do you balance, or do you, I guess, do you see guys, whether it's in the NFL or kids that you coach, do you see guys like putting their self-worth into their performance? And then how, how have you kind of compartmentalized like, Hey, that's like your performance versus like you as a person.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when I was young, I did because um, when when you're young, you, you attach to what you do. Is in like that defines you? So like if you were to go to like a sophomore in high school, they're going to tell you everything about them and that they are a football player and that they play punter or they play kicker and this is what they do and this is this, this, this. Rather than because a lot of times young guys haven't young kids haven't figured out who they are. As you know what I mean? And right. when you get older you realize like when like I love football. Like I love everything about it. I love the off season, I love the grind, I love the in season, I love everything about it. I didn't have football for about two and a half years and I realized, hey, I am someone without football. So for me, that's how I Figured it out because I had no choice because no one wanted me for two and a half years, right? You know, so I didn't have football. And I think the one thing is, a lot of guys in the NFL have all figured out their, you know, they all know their self worth. At least that's the everyone I've been around. And um, you know, I, I mean, a great example is that my first game uh, doing all three with the Chargers was against Colts, and um, Adam Minnittary didn't have a great day, and um, he came. And I saw him at the end of the game, he comes up smiling to me, you know, and he just he told me he, he was impressed with what I did that day. And, and I'm over here like trying not to freak out because my childhood hero right. is telling me he's impressed with me. And, um, but it, that, that spoke to me, you know what I mean? He is no, like no argument, greatest of all time. And he had a tough day that day and was smiling after you know, and then that just reminded me, this is just a game, you know, and I know that's right. hard for some people to really actually fathom, but it really is, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, or, you know, it's just, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that that, put, that puts it in perspective too. You know, like if you're around those those pro guys and, you know, if missing a ball just is what it is. Whereas like if you're a high school kid or maybe when they were high school kids, they didn't have that perspective to detach from what they were doing
1: yeah because I think a big thing is you're just waiting for that scholarship or mm-hmm. if you miss this kick my life's over or whatever you know I just feel like sometimes there's a lot of un- there's added pressure that doesn't need to be added and um yeah I just you know I try to talk to my little brother about that you know I try to tell him the things I wish I knew when I was his age in seventeen, and he's, he's in Alabama training with us and I'm helping him with certain things, but there's a lot of things I wish I knew when I was his age. You know, like, sure. uh, and I'm just trying to help help him with that stuff. it's like, look, just just kick the ball. It's gonna be all right, you know. And uh, right. you know, sometimes you just got to remind the young guys.
0: Right. Yeah, it's funny. Like, if I'm I've kicked with you know been at camps where Youngway's there, Youngway Koo, and you know he's very oh, yeah, much. Baller. Oh yeah, he's he's great, and it's funny. Like he'll he'll work on like a little technical aspect for a couple balls and it's not working out or maybe it's not going as good as it could have. And then he'll just say, I'm just going to kick it. And then it's like the best yeah. ball of the day, you know? He,
1: his, I mean, the, the leg talent he has is unreal. Um, yeah. First off, he's a great dude. I've known him for a few years now. And um, I mean, the Falcons, they got a good one, you know, and uh, he's just got a ton of leg talent and oh, yeah. uh, he's going to play, he's going to play a long time.
0: Definitely. Great hair too. Um, (laughs) um, Let's, let's kind of talk about um, like high school to college jump. Obviously you've been out of that, you know, those trenches for a little bit, but you're kind of reliving it through your brother. What's the one thing that you see high school kickers, punters, and snappers getting wrong about the college recruiting process? Like if you could tell them to stop doing one thing and start doing another, what would it be?
1: uh punter swinging for 5-0s drives okay. me crazy. I see these punters out here just swinging for the big ball because that's what they've done at these camps to get these big numbers, to get these national rankings. Mm-hmm. I mean, coaches want to see you can do it. But at the end of the day, if you go to a camp and you hit one five zero and then you have – let's say they give you 10 punts and you hit a five zero, Great. It's awesome. All right. But then that's, let's say that's ball one. And then ball two through five are all over the place. It, it shows nothing. You know what I mean? It's like like my, my biggest thing is like my mindset is every ball I'm trying to hit is 4-7. You know, I think for a lot of these kids is find a ball they can hit. And a good example, my little brother, we threw him in the competition with myself and AJ and Richie and all of us. in court he was in the competition with us and i'm and i'm watching this 17 year old trying to hit with us i'm like what you doing you're not you're not going to you know what i mean so i was like hit your ball find your ball and hit it i think a lot of these kids chase other kids and they don't need to and i think a lot of times is um if I think a lot of these kids would be better off if they find the ball they can hit every single time and just do that, you know, an an effortless kick and then get some confidence. And as you get more confident, then you might be able to swing a little bit harder. Then maybe we we play with the drop a little bit to maybe get you a little bit more hang. But a lot of these kids are swinging for these 5 O's because they are going to these mass-produced kicking camps or kicking combines to get ranked and that's where i think a lot of it happens.
0: Right. So it's almost Yeah, i mean it's, you know, who doesn't love seeing 50 and yeah. that that big ball like you said will will get the coach's attention, but then it's like okay, you can hit a 50, but then like you shanked your first punt in 10 yards.
1: Yeah. Like i think a lot, i think it would speak a lot if people would go out there and time college punters hang times and just go from there just clock the i would love to see a number of division one punters you you just no no just do power five punters and get all the hang times for the year i'd love to see it and i think people would be astonished of what they actually are compared to what they think they are
0: i think there's actually a twitter account that has that there's um
1: i'd love to see it
0: f-a-u jaffe j-a-f-f-e but it's this this guy he's one of the business professors at f-a-u and yeah. he does like all these cool statistical analyses and I know he definitely has it for field goal. So he like did really all cool. every, every field goal from 2019 season, the average yeah. power five field goal distance was 35 yards.
1: Yeah. And that's why I like, and I just, that's why I'm working with these kids when I see kids, like I help with one-on-one kicking Mike McCabe, I'll, I'll help coach. We, I'm one of his coaches during the off season. Right. And um, until all this happened, I'm working with these kids and I'm like, all right, guys, we're, We starting at 30 yards, you know, and they're like, well, cool. I'm like, make everything from here. Right. You you guys are struggling to make NFL extra points, but you guys want to go back to 55 to get that one clip, you know? So I think, um, yeah, a lot of it is putting in perspective what's actually real and what's not, you know? And when I say that is in like, I would love to know in the NFL how many guys are swinging for five O's. I mean, I, I pretty sure I know the answer, but, um, and I think if young kids actually heard that, it, I think it would it would change a lot of kids for the better, because I think a lot of kids um, miss out on opportunities because they're trying to be so great all the time that as in trying to hit this certain punt, that isn't realistic all the time. you know
0: They try so hard to be great, they struggle to be even good.
1: Yeah, and because yeah. it's like a lot of times I feel like kids think five oh five oh five oh and then they don't realize like hey i might not hit a five oh into the wind and they don't right. know how to plate they don't know how to hit that punt so that's what we we work on you know when 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 mccabe and richie and myself and ryan like we aj we all help coach all these kids during the off season, mm-hmm. you know and i think it, that's why i always i always tell these um and there's a lot of good kicking companies like you're a good kicking coach. There's coach, about a lot of good kicking coaches out there but like in the south like i always tell these kids i'm like like, look, look what you guys have around you. You guys got like nine NFL guys help nine NFL and CFL guys helping you guys, whatever. And we're showing you how we do our job, right. you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, and I think, but some of these kids still don't listen, you know, and it's how it goes sometimes because <laughs> they're, they're young, but, uh, right. none of us take it personal, but we always tell them like, look, know the situation, know what you have, know what punt to hit here, know what, how you need to hit this field goal, you know, play the wind, you know, and, um, that's what I think a lot of kids struggle with sometimes is they don't know like, like hitting a big punt with a strong wind to your back is tough because it's actually harder to turn over a punt with the wind at the back than it is with the wind in the face. Right. And Can so I break th-
0: that down a little bit more because I think that's important for a lot of kids. Cause I'll see kids try to just like Chuck, you know, 80 yard punts and then they're suddenly realizing it's a lot harder with the wind at their back. So why exactly is that?
1: Yeah, so it's just like, like, I'll never forget, I was training with Thomas Morstead and Jamie Cole a few years ago, and um, we were up in Wisconsin, and I was talking to Thomas, and who's an awesome human being, great punter, but even better dude, and yeah. he was just telling me about, he's like, yeah, I'd rather punt into the wind all day, you know, because at the end of the day, like, if you throw a football, you know, and, and I don't know the science behind it, but if you were to throw a football, into the wind, the nose will come over, right? But if you you have a strong wind to your back and you throw it up, the nose will stay up. And so at the end of the day, a lot of times I would rather punt into a slight breeze than anything, because then I know I can consistently turn the ball over and put the ball where I want to put it.
0: Gotcha. And
1: um, yeah, so a lot of times people's, you know, field goals, yeah, field goals a little different. If you get the wind to your back, you can swing. But punting there's a lot of times if I have a really strong wind, I'm just gonna an Aussie. I'm gonna hit Aussie ball and try to hit as you know, place it, hit as far as I can. Um, right. But yeah, a lot of times, you know, like when you have the wind to your back, sometimes, I mean, you really got to swing up to get the punt you want, and sometimes that's not the consistent swing.
0: Yeah, because the, the wind's just gonna take that ball at its apex and just shock it forward instead of letting it come over.
1: Exactly, exactly, and it would even push it down a little bit.
0: Right. It's almost easier to hit a dart when you mm-hmm. have the wind at your back than anything else. So yeah, exactly. for, for you – all right, so let's kind of break down, like, wind punting for a second then because up in – you know, I have a lot of listeners up in the Northeast, and the, I'm sure it gets windy down in Alabama once in a while. What – kind of break down your strategy for, you know, right-to-left wind, you know, left-to-right, and then, you know, how – what would you adjust uh, specifically, directionally, if you have all those winds?
1: Yeah, so a right-to-left is a tough one because for a righty because it's taking the ball in. It's bringing it inside. So um, that was actually, remember I told you that wind I said uh, we had in Chicago where I was okay with the miss hit there? Right. That was the wind we had in Chicago um, going towards the open side. So I guess going towards the lake. Uh, but that was, you know, that's, I think going, that's a tough line because you want to take the line at the sideline but if you miss hit it, it's, it's going middle of the field. You right. know what I mean? So that's one of those punts where it's tough if you have an electric returner like uh, uh, the Bears got. And that's where, like, I didn't want to hit a low liner because if I hit a low liner that ends up going outside of the numbers, he's going to get the ball at 10, 15, maybe 20, 20 yards. You right. know, so that was my mindset there. So if you have a left to right win, I have no problem going into that. You know, um, I can just, my mindset is stay small, hold on to it. My thought process is take the ball straight out of my hand, but keep my chest over my toes, you know, keep my chest over my toes and just try to take the ball straight out of my hand. And my ball into a wind I'm aiming for is, you know, four, seven, four, six, four, seven, you know, and um, typical, like the hang doesn't really change into the wind. I don't feel unless it's really strong. But the the biggest thing is how you play it. And, um, you know, that's sort of a a trick I learned up in Canada. I mean, uh, um, but uh, Richie Leone told me uh, a line that I'll never forget. When it's breezy, swing easy, you know. Gotcha. So you never try to – don't try to overpower the wind because you won't win.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, very true. Like when – I remember at um, one of Carney's camps up in New England when Glaskowski came out. You know, I asked him. I was like, "What's What are you trying to do? Like every kick, like if you just did that one thing, like that would make everything else easier." And he would just always say, "Like just get a clean hit. Like I'm not trying to crush up these kicks. As long as I get a clean hit, I'm going to have a shot."
1: Yeah. No, and uh, goskowski I mean, he's uh, obviously pretty pretty good, right? And um, right. And um, that's that's such the thought process, you know. I mean, you know, like if I hit it solid, it's good. You know, right. and that, that's, that's where you get that confidence with reps and reps and reps. And, you know, just, just hit it solid. You don't need to do extra. And, right. um, yeah, it's, it's like a good comparison is the long drive champion. You know, those guys on the golf course, they swing. They're not, they're not, right. they're not swinging for eight of them. They're swinging for one of them. Right. Right? You got you to compare the two, right? So, like, we're swinging for eight of them. We're not swinging for one of them. You know, mm-hmm. so you got to know when – you know, just know how to temper it down and hit the ball you need to hit at that time.
0: So, for you, what's the one thing, technique-wise? We can transition to technique now. What's the one thing, technique-wise, that you know if you nail it, it's always going to be a good punt and make everything else easier? My, um,
1: I, I have a kick start. If I keep my first step small, I feel like I can turn over ninety-five percent of my punts. Gotcha. Yeah, and the biggest thing is sometimes it's. And people are always like, Coach Lynn, i never forget he asked me this. He was like, um, funny story. Uh, he was watching me, like, the first day I punt, I got there and signed, and he, I guess he had heard about me, and he wanted to watch me punt. And I had been hitting the ball really well all day, and he comes over there, and the first punt I hit in front of him, I shanked it. And, <laughs> and he's like, what would you do there? I was like, got big with my first step. He's like, okay, well, just don't get big. I'm like appreciate it <laughs> thanks and uh you know and it but it was so funny hearing that from him because it was the truth it's right like, so a lot of times like I always tell my little brother because we have similar form this and that like if, if someone were to zoom in on my face before every putt you would literally see me saying stay small stay small stay small stay small I'd say I'd try to say like 50 times as the ball right before the ball comes Right. You know, it's just trying to remind myself, stay small, stay small. So if I, if I keep my first step, my kickstart small, I feel like I can turn over a high percentage of punts.
0: Gotcha. Now when you, um, you know, obviously you, have, you, you brought up uh, Coach Lynn, and I think one of the things that gets lost in translation, maybe more at the younger level, but I'm sure it happens in college too, you know, I hear this a lot, oh, my coach hates me. You know, we don't kick field goals, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think there is – you know, most high school head football coaches just never were kickers, so they don't really get it. Um, But I don't think they necessarily hate them. I think the kids are being a little over-exaggerating. But what would be be one piece of advice you would give to a younger player or parent who is, you know, struggling with, like, connecting with their coach? Like, if they had an issue with a coach, how would you recommend they go about trying to talk to their coach or have a conversation with them?
1: Yeah, I feel like a lot of time with our position, a lot of coaches don't understand it. And to give you an example is like Coach Lynn, he didn't really talk to me much when I first got there, which I'm the punter, you know what I mean? Like, especially in the off season, what are you going to talk to me about? You know, and, um, but it's like when he saw who I was, saw my work ethic, saw what I was about, then that's when we became close. Like he was, he made me a captain weekly. 15 of the season, you know, and, um, he came up to me at the, at there and he's like, Hey, you're captain, you know? And, and I say that as in like, because I've always take pride in doing what everyone else does, you know, like in college, do all the workouts. And I feel like a lot of times, some of these kids, you know, miss out on workouts and miss Mm -hmm. out on doing this to try to get out of doing this. At the end of the day, if a coach, I'm not saying every coach is great or perfect, this and that, but – and you could probably attest to this. At the end of the day, most coaches, if you work your tail off and do everything they ask, they're not going to be mean to you. Right. They're not going to hate you. But I feel like a lot of times, especially in the kicking world, is there's some kickers and punters and, and um, for sure, you know, and um, that sometimes get out of things or want to get out of things. and. Um, because it's just sometimes how it goes, but we always, in college, we always took pride in, hey, stay out there the whole, whole time, you know, and um, our head coach allowed us to go inside if we wanted to after we were done, but we didn't. We stayed out there because we wanted our teammates to see, hey, we're out here, you know, so I think a lot of times the issues come from when kids are trying, you know, when they when they get out of stuff or, maybe don't do everything else the team does. And that's just, I just think that's when issues get started. I really do. And um, right. um, Yeah. That's, that's what I think about that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's just be, you know, being cognizant of like, Hey, everybody already thinks you're a little weird for being the kicker in the first place. You're never going to not get those like jokes from your buddies, but you also have to understand that you need to almost work twice as hard to still appear to your head coach or to everybody else as like a really good teammate, because like you might just be off on the sideline, but you always want to be seen as doing work and drills and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about For So what's nice about what you do is you, you know, you can put words and you know how to teach what you do really well to younger guys and develop other younger kickers and punters. Um, if you have a kid day one, What are three things or three key fundamentals that you would start them off with with punting?
1: Uh, With punting, um, hands, uh, their grip on the ball. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of kids try to create height and distance with the grip they have. But a lot of kids, and it's not their fault, don't know how to hold on to a football. Um, So the first thing I do is grip and uh, catch and mold, you know, because in the day, if you don't have good hands, you can't punt. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing, like, it's just hammering out drops and catching mold to where um, it becomes second nature. And um, yeah, so it'd probably be that. And then from there it'd be working on the steps, you know, figuring out a rhythm, figuring out a flow to go into, um, you know, to find a rhythm to catch, you know, what, so once it's like, once you get to catch a mold down, then it's like, all right, let's, let's implement either a kickstart or a ball jab you know that's that's what I use you know and that's that's what I've been around and um to get a little momentum and then from there then it's finding that consistent swing finding out where their tendencies are their bad tendencies are because to coach someone you really got to know what they do well and what they don't do well you know because a lot of times you got to find out where their bad habits are because that one bad habit will create a few bad habits you know one good habit will only create one good habit, but that one bad will create a few bad.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And I think what's funny is I didn't hear you say anything about, you know, like hitting the ball at first. It was like a lot of hand work. And I think it's really, oh, yeah. it's really underestimated how important your hands are.
1: Yeah. All get, 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 it's all the drop. Like I try to do at least a hundred a day, you know? Um, right. Yeah. It's, that's something I'm trying to get in my brother too. Like I'm trying to get into a hundred a day. You know, just get in that habit of getting that down because it is all in the drop. Like AJ Cole, I mean, that dude is a machine when it comes to drops. Right. You know, and uh, Tyler Newsom's the same way. All like all the guys I train with, we all do a ton of drops. All right. the stuff we do is the stuff kids don't like to do.
0: But that's why where think... you are. That's why you guys are where you are and, and they're yes. not.
1: and and I and I've and I've told uh, a lot of kids that the drills young kids don't like doing are all the drills pros enjoy doing.
0: yeah Yeah. that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. and i think and i think what is and i think it happens in every you know position or cottage industry within a sport you know like there's seven on sevens there's o-line camps and all that stuff but kicking and punting and snapping have been marketed as these like miracle moments of like success where like you hit a great kick and you win the competition and then Nick Saban comes on the field and gives you a full ride, <laughs> but, but, yeah. you know, it's marketed as like this miracle moment, but in reality, like two thirds out of the time, it you're either, you know, one third of the time you're going to want to do all those little drills. Another third, you're going to feel indifferent. And then the other third, you're not even going to want to do it. Like how many days do you wake up Ty and you're like super pumped to go do a hundred drops first thing in the morning or like hit leg day and sprints. Like it's not every day. No, but I love what I do. Right.
1: Like I think that's the one thing is like, Mm -hmm. I am so blessed to do what I do for a living. Right. And, uh, I think I'll tell you this though. It makes it easy when I work out and train with a bunch of guys who love it too. Right. You know what I mean? Cause there's definitely days where like, I'm like, Oh, here we go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, (laughs) it happens to everybody. But I'll tell you this, though, like if I were to show up, like we are right now, we're all doing like these home workouts at, at where we live. And if I were to show up like with no energy, A- AJ Cole or Richie or Ryan or Stefan, someone's going to change that. You know what right. I mean? So um, yeah, but for me, like, you just got to love what you do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like really be appreciative of what you're able to do. And um, yeah, but th- those tough days is just like, you know, that happens to everybody. Everyone's got tough times. You got to grit it out. You just got to fight right. through it and go. You know, I think um, that's something that it don't matter. Like, everyone's going to have tough days. You know, some days we don't want to do it. and I think that's one thing is, like, uh, there's days where I show up to work, and I'm like, oh, here we go. But I'm like, no, no, no. I get to come here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes you got to remind yourself what you're able to do or what you're doing. You know, sometimes you got to change the way you think.
0: Definitely. I think that's an important perspective shift too, you know, like it's nobody's playing football when they're 85 years old. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. gets at least four years, maybe eight more if you're Mm -hmm. lucky. And then something, maybe something after that, but Mm -hmm. it's such a short window.
1: Yeah. Be appreciative of the days you got, like literally, like, yeah, I, I really do. Like, I love what I do. I love working out. Like I love everything that comes with it and um but to play at this level i feel like you got to and there's there might be a few guys who don't but most of them don't stick you know and um and that's not a that's nothing like a a diss or anything but i'm just saying the guys who stay a while love it because they love being prepared they love getting ready to do what they got to do
0: can you talk about how important or how how important it is you be selective of the people you surround yourself with because we'll probably have a lot of high school and college listeners and you know at that age like you said you're still trying to figure out who you are and when you find out who you are it kind of dictates who you surround yourself with
1: yeah I mean the people you're around um speaks to who you are I mean I think that's in a lot I remember being young and my parents would tell my mom would tell me that and I was like mom you don't know what I was talking about and now it's like I get older and I I tell like like I always tell my little brother, I'm like, look, look at the people I hang around. If you, if you were to do a research of everyone I hang around, there ain't a bad dude in any of my friends, none of them. Right. You know, all my friends that I hang around are awesome human beings. And, um, I think that's one thing that is so important is you're hanging around someone who's doing something wrong. You're going to be doing something wrong, you know? And, um, And it's just so important that you're around the right people doing the right things. And it's, it's, that's why, like I said, we all train together because we all know we push each other to be better. And um, that's like, we've all trained together now. This is some of us for third off season and we've all moved to Birmingham to train together. And um, yeah, I just think it speaks to uh, what we're doing here, you know, training wise and, the group of guys we have here and I've been around the league and we've gone into games and people have asked me before the game, like, Hey, who's all training in Birmingham? You know, I've seen that, you know, like other big NFL guys, you know? So um, yeah, one of the most important parts is who you're around and the the type of people you're around.
0: I think one of the the harder things other than being a kicker or punter is probably being the parent of a kicker or punter. Mm -hmm. And how could, in your opinion, how could parents better support, their kids who are kickers, punters, or snappers, or like what's a piece of advice you might want to give parents who are listening to this podcast?
1: Yeah, push them to be better. You know, don't push them to be perfect. Push them to be better. And um, let, let your kid fail and let your kid figure it out. You know, I think a lot of these kids or a lot of these parents are in, invested in this too, because they're trying to get their kid that scholarship, but sometimes like the camp might not go as well. But in right. beat, beating the kid down, making him feel worse about it, ain't going to fix it. Help sure. build him up, you know, help him figure out why he failed. Or, right. you know what I mean? Help help them through that time of why you failed, you know, because that's where you learn, you know, and um, that's what I, I, I think a lot of it is a lot of these times these, these parents invest a lot of money and rightfully so. They want something out of it. But at the end of the day, we're all human. The kid's are human. The kid's trying to do well. And, um, yeah, help them through the tough times and, um push them you know just but yeah don't beat them
0: down gotcha just a couple more questions and um so what what would be a favorite failure that you've had in the past that then set you up for later long-term success
1: um yeah probably that detroit game very defining Mm -hmm. moment um because i were i to this day i remember the things that people said to me And that stuff fires me up every, like, I'm, you you asked me about those days, I if I have those days, I think about that, I think about the the stuff people said to me and it, it gets me going, you know, and, um, because my mindset is to prove those people wrong. And, um, yeah, that was one of those things at the time I hated it and I still hated it it happened, but it's one of those things where it's like, I am who I am today because i made it through that.
0: Gotcha. Couple quicker questions. One person you'd love to train with who you haven't gotten to train with yet?
1: Um, well, I mean, I played against him, Adam and Terry. I think it'd be yeah. really cool to pick his brain for more than you know, pregame. Um,
0: yeah, he's pretty. It's pretty sweet. Favorite cleats? What's your cleat setup right now? See,
1: I'm I'm in between. I'll tell you this. Uh-oh. I'll tell you
0: this. Um, I call Chris.
1: Yeah, no, soccer guy, Chris, man, that, that guy, he is the plug. And I'm not just saying it. I don't, I don't shout people out unless they are deserving. That man is the best in the biz. Like, I've had questions about certain type of cleats, this and that. But he's put me on some I, – I think they're the best cleats I've ever worn, the new Puma Kings. Those are unreal. Like, they, they might be my new favorite cleats. Yes, I mean – Do you guys have any, I'm serious, I'm not just saying this, this ain't paid, he told me to say this, I'm just saying this because he is the best. You have soccer needs or soccer questions, soccer guy
0: Chris. He is, yeah, he, and I think you're the only guy who's wearing Pumas right now in the NFL. Yeah,
1: I love them, I love them, and they got, they got these new powder blues that match their uniforms, and apparently they're coming out with all whites too, so I'm going to have to give like four or five pair of those, because I love
0: all whites. Awesome. Favorite success quote?
1: huh i don't know um i'd say this best story i've heard um this came from my dad it was a and this story might be chopped up a little bit and this is something um it's not really a quote but it's a story uh a young young golfer 30 years ago was playing in a tournament with a guy named jack nicholas and obviously jack nicholas is very famous very great golfer and um playing jack nicholas and one more big time pro and this this guy's in the final group on sunday and he and he's talking to jack nicholas he's like i I gotta i gotta ask you something do you not feel like you're about to throw up and and uh jack looks at him and he says isn't that awesome Isn't, (laughs) isn't that awesome that you get to show up to work and you get that feeling at your job like this is what you're doing it's that important to you that that's what you get that's and awesome. sometimes when I'm so nervous for a game, freaking out, it's like, God, I'm so lucky. I get to feel like this at work. You know how lucky I am to get to, to feel like this. All I right. think, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the cool stories we've heard.
0: Wow. That's awesome. What's the, what would be the one thing like, you know, football's not forever and that's what makes it really special. Cause, um, and so, you know, when you're looking back, you know, when you're hundred years old, someday on your career, what's the one thing you would like people to remember about your career as a player?
1: Um, I would like people to remember me by the person who always tried to, first off, when I show up to every game, I want those people to leave and say, that's the best punter I've ever seen. Every, every time I step on the field, that's one thing. But I also want people to know that guy always took time for my kid to look him in the eye, look her in the eye, talk to him, and, and genuinely talk to them. You know, I, I take a lot of pride in trying to um, – meet with these kids and these fans and uh, something I started doing during this quarantine is I've had a lot of kids hit me up on Instagram to play me at playing with Matt and I've just been playing these kids at Matt and I'll be chopping it up with them while we're playing. I just try to communicate and relate with these kids to show them, look, you know, we're all same, you know, I'm, I'm a human, just like you guys are. And, um, and I'm not anything big, you know, but I, I saw that from you know, Teddy Bridgewater who show up to their high school game and uh in new orleans this year and i just thought that was really cool and i got the idea from him like hey you know play these kids in Madden, talk to them get to know them joke around with them you know sort of you know level up with them
0: right well that's awesome man well hey thanks for uh taking time to chat with us and um if anybody wants to try to get in touch with you or follow you what's the best way to do that
1: yeah hit me up on instagram or twitter um I don't know them off the top of my head, so maybe you could plug it in for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely will. <laughs> I, yeah, I,
1: I don't know the handles off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: But, All right, uh, thanks, but yeah, tell, tell them to hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, I try to get back to everybody. And uh, Tell them to shoot me a follow. I just try to, you know, like I try, try to get back to everybody.
0: Great. Now a word from our sponsor, Wizard Sports. For high-quality athletic practice equipment, you just can't beat Wizard Sports Equipment. The products they offer are designed with the highest standards. With input from pro athletes and equipment managers, Wizard Sports continues to offer the best in the game and practice sports equipment. They've been in business since 1984 for a reason. We have a great customer following, and if a problem or question comes up, we're always there to help. Be sure to check out Wizard Sports today at wizardsports.com. Today's five-star review comes from Muser13. Great podcast. As a college kicker, the sort of info provided by this podcast is invaluable. I've never seen so much useful insight in one place. Ten out of ten would recommend to any specialist at any level. Hey, thank you very much. Make sure if you enjoy this episode or any other episodes, please drop a review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Kickers Are People Too podcast. If you liked this episode, or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.